We are in the third week of a series called The Good News About Death. And if you've not been here the last two Sundays, I encourage you to go online to our YouTube or Facebook and watch those videos because there's a a large conversation as we talk about death, something the world doesn't like to do, something that we often only do at funerals. And sometimes there's so many things wrapped up around death that are unhealthy and unhelpful. Uh, It's good to take a month, at least in the year, this year, to talk about the good news about death, something that touches all of us at some point in our life and touches us in hard and deep and life-changing ways. Will you pray with me? And now, God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts together be acceptable to you, O God, our rock and our Redeemer. Amen. Well, friends, the shopping season is upon us, right? The biggest shopping days of the year are less than a week away. Black Friday, Small Business Saturday, Cyber Monday, Giving Tuesday. There are some who say Wednesday should be called Weeping Wednesday, (laughs) the day you add up all the bills from the spending. One of my very favorite Black Friday stories involves two of our former youth, Hannah and Hillary Enloe, daughters of Keith and Janet Enloe, granddaughter of Frank Enloe. When they were in high school, uh, the store Best Buy opened in Jefferson City, and it was a popular place for Black Friday shopping. And so Hannah and Hillary decided they were going to join the others that were camping out the night before to hit the store in the morning. And so as high schoolers, they packed up their little princess tent got in line with everybody else and camped out, enjoyed all the community and the fun of that evening. And in the morning, they got their early coupon for getting in line. They packed up their princess tent. They gave that coupon to someone they didn't know, and they went home. (laughs) They didn't even go in the store. They weren't there to shop. They were just there for the moment, the community, the thrill of it all. That's probably one of my favorite Black Friday stories. Many of us are beginning to feel the the pressure of Christmas season and the shopping. There's something kind of threatening and ominous about the world telling us how many days we have left to get prepared and to make our purchases. It's 36 days, by the way. (laughs) Knowing that you only have a certain amount of time brings kind of a sense of urgency. And it can bring that to what are otherwise very ordinary days. Perhaps the same would be true if we knew how many days left we had to walk the earth. That could bring a sense of urgency to what would be otherwise ordinary days. The older we get, the faster the days and the years go, right? The most recent data suggests that the average lifespan for an American citizen is a little over 78 years. 78.56 years to be exact. And some of you are like, that is forever. For some of you, it's sobering. For some of you, you are on borrowed time, defying the odds with every day that you live. Kudos to you. Now, women still live longer than men. And, of course, this is all an average. But let's say most of us get 78 years and some change to live our lives. That's around 942 months or 28,650 days to spend our lives the way we'd wish, standing in line, 
waiting in traffic, scrolling our phones, camping out in front of Best Buy for the delight, not the discounts. It might be motivating to wake up every morning with a big digital clock in front of you telling you how many days you had left. Or it might be the very worst way to start your day every day, knowing the scarcity of time over the gift of the present. Is there a way to hold both the urgency of time and the mystery of time together? That's somewhat of the question today in our text. Last Sunday, the issue that we discussed in chapter 4 of this letter was about the nature of death. Paul assured the believers in Thessalonica that those in Christ who had died before Jesus had come back were not forgotten. That whether Jesus comes to us or we go to Jesus, we are still in Christ. Christ has died, Christ has risen, Christ will come again. And so we do not grieve as those with no hope. Now in chapter 5 of the same letter, the question now appears to be, when? When will Christ come again? How many shopping days do we have left, Paul? Well, like in chapter 4, it is not that the Thessalonians don't know the answer to the question or that they need more answers. Instead, Paul reminds them of what they already know, and that is this. You know that you don't know when Jesus is returning. In verse 2, he says this, For you yourselves know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While the day of the Lord is unknown, as Jesus himself said, the believers know that it will come when least expected, and they must be awake and alert and prepared. See, Paul's concern is less about those that are overly worried about the timing. He's concerned about those who appear to give it no thought at all. It's not that his focus is on what they should believe about Christ's return, but on how they should behave in the present, knowing and trusting that Christ will return. So Paul uses multiple metaphors in this passage to help emphasize the truth. And much of that vivid apocalyptic imagery comes from the prophets, the the woman in labor, the thief in the night, the armor of God. It's all drawn, and this speech is drawn to help people adjust or modify their way of thinking about what's going on in the world and how they should respond to those things. It gives people new lenses to see what's happening around them so they can figure out how to respond to it as the people that are faithful to God. So in verse 2, Paul employs and uses the language of the thief in the night. In verse 3, he compares the day of the Lord to labor pains. That when a woman is pregnant, she knows her hour will eventually come, but she does not know when the labor will begin. So she prepares, right? She sees her doctor. She takes prenatal vitamins. She nests in the home and makes sure it's all ready. But she does not know the actual time of the arrival. And those last days are full of waiting and wondering, packed bags, false alarms, and a million questions from everyone going, any news? There's a sense of urgency of time, but also the mystery of time. A sense of something that we cannot predict or escape, but something beautiful yet to be. Before his novels really took off, author John Grisham uh, was just a small town lawyer. Today, he, with all the fame in his life, he tries to focus on things that have 
lasting impact and value, and one of those is his faith. Grisham remembers, as a young law student, the remarkable advice of a friend, and he tells this story. One of my best friends in college died when he was just 25, a few years after we graduated from Mississippi State University. I was in law school, and he called me one day and wanted to get together. So we had lunch, and he told me he had cancer. I couldn't believe it. What do you do when you realize you are about to die, I asked. He said, it's real simple. You get things right with God, and you spend as much time with those that you love as you can, and then you settle up with everybody else. And at the end of the conversation, he said, you know, you ought to live every day like you only have a few more days to live. Live every day like you only have a few more days to live. When Paul talks about the coming of Christ, he views it as hope. Hope. But he also looks to the coming of Christ as a moment of accountability. For at that moment, we must face God and ourselves honestly about the lives that we've lived. And so Paul says, don't go to sleep. Stay awake. Be alert. In seminary, one of my professors had a sign outside their office that said, Jesus is coming. Look busy. It brought a lot of laughter to us students as we walked and prepared for exams and had intense theological discussions, but I'm going to confess to you that I rarely had a sense of urgency when I read that sign. Jesus is coming. Look busy. Would have had a bit more sense of urgency among Paul in his day. As I mentioned last week, Paul and many of the early believers appear to believe that Jesus would come back in their lifetime. But Jesus didn't come. And in case you're wondering if you missed it, he still has not come yet. And as time marches on, many of us aren't holding our breath for the day of the Lord, even though we believe it's true. Many have predicted the day and the hour of Christ's return only to look the fool and to ruin the lives of those who believed them, because it didn't happen. And so we've learned what Paul says we know, that we don't know the hour. Don't be worried about that, Paul instructs. Instead, focus on how you live in the present. Be vigilant to stay awake and alert, not in fear, but in faithfulness. My life verse is 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 13 through 14. It says these words, keep alert, stand firm in the faith, Be courageous, be strong. Let all you do be done in love. Paul repeats in this letter to Corinthian believers what he wrote to the Thessalonians just a few years earlier. Watchfulness, steadfastness, courage, strength, and love are the approaches to Christian living that Paul advocates for believers as they await what is certain and what is promised, even if the day and the hour is not. A pastor remarked that whether Jesus comes to us or we go to him, we will one day stand before Jesus. And on that day, we must face God and give an account of how we spent this one wild and precious life. And how should we spend whatever shopping days we have left? Well, just like Paul, I think we can look to the prophets and to Jesus for help on that. 
In the prophet Amos's day, people were trying to prepare for the day of the Lord by going through half-hearted motions of worship. But the Lord wanted nothing to do with it, saying, I hate, I despise your festivals, and I take no delight in your solemn assemblies. Even though you offer me your burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. And the offerings of well-being of your fatted animals I will not look upon. Take away from me the noise of your songs. I will not listen to the melody of your harps. You see, the people were asleep, going through religious motions, keeping pews warm. They were checking religious boxes while missing what God truly wanted from them. We can do that too, right? I can. If we're honest, some of us have been looking busy for a long time. It's really easy to get comfortable, to worship and to give offerings while asleep to what truly pleases the Lord. But God says, I hate that. I hate the noise of empty worship, and I refuse to accept your offerings. If you want to know what pleases me, it is this. But let justice roll down like water and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. Sounds like Jesus, too, doesn't it? He criticized half-hearted worship and religious empty rituals that people were passionate about and said his passion was about justice and righteousness. He called people to leave everything and follow him, helping to bring heaven to earth. Pastor Jim Somerville says that to bring heaven to earth is to look around for anything that doesn't look like heaven and then roll up your sleeves and get to work. That's justice. It's also to look inside of ourselves for anything that does not look like heaven and then roll up our sleeves and get to work. That's righteousness. And if your life is full of justice and righteousness, then whether Jesus comes to you or you go to Jesus, you have nothing to fear. Sounds like an excellent way to spend whatever shopping days we have left, right? Our culture is really uncomfortable with death. We don't speak well of it. We don't speak of it at all. Millions of dollars are spent each year by people trying to avoid the one thing that we really all have in common, which is our mortality. But as Pastor Nadia Boltz-Weber wrote, the truth about our mortality is only offensive if it's heard as an insult and not a promise. The fact that we do not live forever is what makes life so precious. None of us have been promised another day. We have the gift of this day only. But we have been promised that death is not the final word for those in Christ. As we've proclaimed each Sunday of this series, the good news about death is rooted in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. In Christ, we sit before the mystery of death and we see the light of eternity. In Christ, we live with hope and purpose that come with confidence in salvation. In Christ, we face all the uncertainties about life and death with faith, knowing that we are children of light, destined for eternal glory in the presence of God. In Christ, we hold both the urgency of time and the mystery of time 
in both hands with joy, not fear, knowing that we are the beloved children of God. We read in 1 John chapter 3 these words, See what love the Father has given us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. Beloved, we are God's children now. What, now, what we will be has not yet been revealed. What we will be has not yet been revealed. Not yet, but it will be. Until then, let's set up our little princess tents right in the here and now and bring heaven to earth with whatever shopping days that we have left. Because when the night is over and the morning comes, when we're done with the earthly tents and given new bodies, whether Jesus comes to us or we go to Jesus, we have nothing to fear. But until then, stay awake, alert. Let us not just look busy, holding down pews like dead weights, let us be watchful, steadfast, courageous, strong, and let everything we do be done in love. Let justice roll down like water and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. Let us bring heaven to earth. For friends, life is a precious gift. And no matter how many shopping days we have left, let us spend them wisely. Let us pray together. Lord Jesus, we confess that it is easy to be anxious about the number of our days and overwhelmed by the pain of the world. We admit it is tempting to give up on the holy and hard work of justice and righteousness and to simply check religious boxes until we're called home. We labor now, but Lord, we know new life is coming. We just don't know when. And that is okay. With the assurance of your promises, as the beloved of God, we can hold both the urgency and the mystery of time together. All has not been revealed yet, but we trust it will be. Gracious God, keep us awake and alert. Make us your steadfast people, full of courage and strength and love, who understand the gift of today and to invest our lives wisely for your glory and the good of the world. Amen.